When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's that time again. TurboTax and NBA trade deadline season, or as the Lakers like to call it, no repeater taxation without clutch representation season, whatever that means. Anyways, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I am joined by popular friend of the podcast. He joins us just about every time around this time of the year, the trade deadline, and right before free agency, Mr. Yazi Goslin of Hoops Hype. Yazi, Happy New Year, and how are you doing, man? I'm good. I've got a lot of work done recently, so now I could be a little more focused on this trade deadline. I'm sure it's going to be a last-minute type of deadline again. Yeah, other than that, I'm glad to be on. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you on. It's crazy. It's already February, and we're about a week away from the trade deadline at this point, February 9th. As you said, a lot of the action is bound to pick up next week. But with the Lakers having kicked off the trade deadline season with the acquisition of Rui Hachimura last week, we thought it would be the perfect time to have you on and preview what the tail end of this trade deadline might look like. So before we get started, so the layout of this show, we'll do some... Rui Hachimura questions, and then some general NBA trade deadline talk, and then we'll reserve the second half of this show for the more Lakers-centric trade talk. But with regards to the Rui trade, yeah, what was your initial impression of the Lakers-Rui Hachimura deal? Was Rui on your radar of players who could potentially be moved, and were you surprised by the return the Wizards got, or not really? Yeah, I was definitely expecting Rui to get traded. Uh, wrote about it a bunch right before he got traded, how the Wizards, they're trying to keep Kuzma and Porzingis, both players will probably opt out, and re-signing both of them will probably put them right at the tax, and that's before factoring in a new deal for Rui. So it just made sense that they were going to trade him. Uh, I think they also, you know, they have Denny, they have uh, you know, probably another forward, I'm not, Corey Kisper, that, mm-hmm. and then Kuzma, like, you know, hard to give all those guys minutes, assuming these guys, you know, start to be pretty good. Uh, so I was expecting them to trade him. Kind of reminded me of the Kelly Oubre trade from mm. three or four years ago when they sent him to Phoenix for Ariza. Uh, just they had a tax crunch coming up, so they got something for him. Uh, I don't, they didn't bring back Ariza the next year, uh, but just to keep the, them in the game that season. So as for the Lakers, it's I just think it's whatever. I mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of Rui. I don't think he's really shown anything in Washington uh, to to like suggest to me that he's gonna be like uh, like a real contributor, uh, a real impact player. Just seems to be focused on like scoring, but not really particularly good at anything else. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, 
so for the Lakers, I I was a little it's 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 fine that they got him uh, just to try him out and see what he can maybe a change of scenery can help him playing next to LeBron and AD can help him. Uh, a little surprised that they project him to be the starter. Uh, so let's see, maybe he's got a little more untapped potential than than uh, I've believed, but time will tell. Um, and yeah. that's a, as far as the return for the Wizards. I, that's pretty much what I what I expect to get, mm-hmm. them get like a bunch of seconds, and, you know, and some some role player to replace them, like none. Yeah, and Nunn's actually doing pretty well for them. I think he's like averaging like 12 points off the bench in like 20 minutes or whatever. And I don't know if you've seen the Lakers team this year, Yazzie. I know you're not too hyped on the Rui deal, but given the context of where the Lakers stood employing about seven to eight, six, five guards and under, just having a six, eight guy makes a huge difference on this team as he showed against the New York Knicks last night when he went up for 19 and 9, went up for that random block, not random block, clutch block against, I believe, Jalen Brunson was a pretty pivotal defensive move during the end of that game. Um, we'll see whether he pans out as a long-term prospect for the Lakers. Right now, they're saying all the right things, as you should when you make a deal like this, because they traded three seconds. Two of those seconds were from the Washington Wizards or could potentially be from the Washington Wizards trade that they had with... Um, that they had for Russ last season. But yeah, I think I was just surprised knowing this front office. Usually they're not that aggressive making moves around the trade deadline. So for them to actually be the ones who tipped off the NBA trade deadline season and for a younger flyer who's not a clutch client, in that respect, I was surprised. I was like, okay, they they probably could have gone the Cam Reddish route, the more publicized route and the more clutch friendly route but the fact that they went Rui Hachimura I think was at least intriguing to me and I think he is again I'm not sure if he is inevitably a championship level starter but on a team that again had a seven to eight six five and under guard glut Right now, just having one six eight body who can hit mid-range jump shots. And last night, he did a pretty good job against Julius Randle. We'll see how much that'll hold up. But just having that sort of clay to work with right now to stem the tide for the rest of the season, I think, helps. And then I'm sure they'll assess what he looks like this offseason. Now, were you surprised at the fact that this move could potentially signal that the Lakers are ready to preemptively tie up their cap space with Rui's restricted free agency rights because I believe his restricted free agency cap holds like in the 15 million dollar range and I think they're obviously hoping to assign him to like 10 to 12 million I'm assuming and by next year I believe the mid-level is going to be at around 11 million right so were you surprised by at least the fact that hey actually maybe the Lakers are eschewing having cap space this summer well so to the last thing we were saying, and then I'll answer that. I it's like talking to you about this Rui trade. I think we both have pretty reasonable expectations for him. Like for me, it's just okay. You're taking a flyer on a young guy. For you, it's like okay. They need this type of mold. They need this player type with this length and versatility. And I, it, to me, it seems like the Lakers are are view Rui as something like way higher than that. Uh, yeah, well, they're the set, Lakers. They have to yeah, say that. <laughs> but for yeah. them to make this trade, like you know, usually when you're paying, when you're when you're buying low on some role player, it's like a second or two seconds. Mm-hmm. Once you get to more than that, it's okay. Maybe you you really uh, believe in this guy, and yeah, to do it this early on, to me and and like and to the other point I made earlier that they're projecting him to to start. They already plan on, they already like are envisioning him as a future i it seems to me like they view him very highly Mm -hmm. uh like i don't know what what exactly they project them out to be but like it definitely feels like a starter level player and i think i think we could both agree that's still to be seen he he could definitely be much better he was in washington as a productive role player but to be that level of starter yeah time will tell I think right now they're just saying the starter thing because, like, who else are they? Who else do they have? You know what I mean? But I think once the offseason comes around... You should project to be yeah. a starter if you look at this team, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, as we go on with this episode, like, let's say they trade for Bojan Bogdanovic. Is that going to stick all of a sudden? I, I don't think so. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so that would... Yeah, that, a move like that would change that as well. Uh, now, as far as their future, 
Uh, no, I'm not totally surprised. And it's interesting. I was actually, actually just wrote like a couple days before the Ruby trade happened, how that I think the Lakers should, a, a whole argument how they should skip cap space entirely and just trade for uh, existing contracts now or players like Rui who they can re-sign with bird rights over the offseason. Gives them more spending power that way. If they have cap space, they'll have $30 million to spend. And knowing the Lakers will probably go after one guy, use it all on one guy, whether that's Kyrie or Draymond. Uh, and even that seems like an unlikely scenario. And then even if they get someone even uh, that's not as going to be as pricey, like Gary Trent, for example, well, that's still most of your cap space. And then all you have is whatever's left and then the room at level. So you're adding maybe like one, you're adding like one really good player. And then who knows what the other two might be. But here, let's say they finally do a rust trade. And I'm not even talking about trading any picks at all. I'm just, in my, what I'm arguing is just get those players that you can resign. They don't necessarily have to be like huge contributors. Uh, and the examples I put are like they're taking on some bad money and trying to get some assets attached. What if you can get some uh, good players or picks from Charlotte if you're going to take on Hayward, something like that? Or if you're going to take Bertans or Hardaway, maybe they give you some assets. And then later on you have, yeah, these players might not help you, uh, you know, get you to whatever you want to be as a as a as a competitive team. But you have these salaries going into next year. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if a Beal or Levine becomes available, now you've got extra salaries to trade. The biggest downside to all this is that it's going to put the Lakers pretty deep into the repeater tax. Like if they're going to uh, convert Westbrook's 47 mil into that much next year, then yeah, they'll probably be in the tax to have like you know LeBron, AD, an additional 50 million in in payroll plus the mid-level, and then you could still re-sign. And now, since you're over the cap, you can re-sign Rui. You could re-sign Lonnie Walker. Uh, Reeves is always, that's always, a, that's a pretty simple re-signing, whether they're over the cap or under the cap. The, but the point, but you have way more players. Uh, the cap space, you most likely can't bring back any, most of these uh, free free agents other than Reeves. So that's, that's the thing. Like, the Lakers need to spend, they need to spend hard because LeBron and AD, LeBron's going to make 47 mil next year. AD is going to make 41 mil next year. And you want to potentially get another star. Well, I don't care if you get a third star. If you're not having a deep roster that's probably deep in the tax, I don't think that team's really going to go anywhere. You're, If anything, you're closer to where you are these past two years if most of the roster is minimum players. Yeah. So when... When they uh, did the Rui trade, I was not necessarily surprised. I was just, uh, I think it's more like of a hedge. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if Rui's not good, then they'll just let him go. And if they don't do yeah. any other deal, okay, then they'll probably use their cap space uh, yeah. to improve the team. But, but you know, the, the optimist in me is hoping that they do end up trading Russ. Uh, just get a little deeper. Like, yeah. sure, they're getting a lot out of some of their minimum guys right now, like Thomas Bryant, uh, Dennis Schroeder, obviously Austin Reeves when he comes back. But they need – it's the rest of – there's still, like, five or six guys that are just not at all helping. Yeah. And they just – they really need to turn Westbrook into, like, either two or three guys, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I 1,000% agree with you, not to mention the fact that, like you said, they just need the salary ballast. So when they go into the draft night, they actually have that ballast to trade if they want to trade their pick on that night. And then on top of it, if they are a cap space team, that means they're also, you know, availing of the lesser mid-level, the room exception, right? Mm -hmm. If they are over the cap team, they're probably not going to try and hard cap themselves because they'll probably be above that at that point if they're taking on guys like 
Bert Hans or higher level guys like even Abojan Bogdanovich, but they'll at least be able to avail of the taxpayer mid-level exception, right? And that's a it's a higher thing that you can split up amongst two other people, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it just opens up the options for the Lakers if they trade Russ for more longer-term salary. And now that they've got the ball rolling with Rui, who, you know, if they did spend three seconds, and one of which was a high second this year from Chicago, or what projects out to be a high second, then, yeah, it makes sense to at least keep him for 10 to $12 million. And then if you've already done that and eaten $12 million of your $30 million cap space, you may as well fill out the rest of your roster right now. Yeah. Although, like you mentioned, they do have a an out here, a loophole out, because, yeah, they can just renounce Rui and let him go. Like, let's say Kyrie Irving says, I'm ready to become a Laker. Then they're like, all right, Rui, it was a nice flyer, but see you later. So, And I, I know we'll get into specific, like, scenarios, hypotheticals in a bit, but just in my opinion, like, let's say I, I know, like, one very common thing, uh, hypothetical people have uh, put out there is what if they can turn Westbrook and a pick or two into Van Vliet and Trent? Yeah, that would be like the high end of outcomes of what you can do with Russ. But let's say you're not going to get a player even as impactful as Trent. I still think they should do that type of trade where they just take on those salaries, multiple players uh, over entering the season with cap space. and. Mm-hmm. I might, you know, the like Kyrie, you, the Lakers will have, you know, 30 something mil. They can offer that to him, them, him, and the Nets will probably just slightly outbid that, most likely, or yeah. just, you know, put in whatever it takes to just beat it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what I think would probably happen. For sure. So we'll get into specifics of additional hypothetical scenarios, but. Yeah, I agree with you. It remains to be seen whether the front office agrees with us. Let's get into some general NBA questions. Um, As of this past weekend into this week, Miles Turner signed an extension and is out of the trade picture, presumably. The uh, OG Ananubi race is underway, apparently. Detroit wants an unprotected first for Bojan. Apparently, the Lakers are still in on him. And actually, the whole half of the league is in on Bojan, apparently. Um... And then Gary Trent supposedly could be had for a protected first or high seconds. We'll see. I mean, I guess it makes sense because he's about to be an unrestricted free agent. It very much seems like he's not down to re-sign with the Toronto Raptors because they also have to deal with Van Vliet's future. But regardless, with all that happening, Yazzie, about a week out from the trade deadline, what what's the vibe looking like for you right now? And, you know, we've heard that notion that there are more buyers than sellers, but as we cl- as we inch closer and closer to All Star break, do you think that'll change next week? Probably not. I think te- it just seems like teams are pretty. Uh, you know, they've gone way more optimistic since the plan and the evening of the op- of the lottery odds. And like last trade deadline, yeah, there was the James Harden trade, but that was just because he wanted out and. You know, like it, it took a star player pushing his way out to shake, really shake up the trade market. Um, so yeah, it just feels like like last off season. I mean, last last trade deadline. I guess the seller was Indiana in a way, and they didn't even like sell that much. They, they I mean, they in my eyes they got a huge upgrade uh, going from uh, Sabonis to Halliburton, and um but yeah obviously like doing that trade did like help them bottom bottom out a little more and the raptors seem to be that team this year it's like will they will they not i think they will probably be sellers to some degree maybe not blow the whole thing up like they don't even need to sell at all right now they could still re-sign trend and van vliet and deal with it next year uh but if not this year definitely next year so it's like why not now uh, mm-hmm. especially if you can get uh, a really good package for uh, some of the guys that are are probably uh, that are in trade rumors. So it just seems like uh, Toronto, just a matter of time for them doing something. I just I don't see anyone else becoming a last minute seller mm-hmm. right now. What about, so Toronto is on the higher end of the spectrum because they are literally a team that can go either way, you know, make a play and run or bottom out. What about the teams that are literally 
intent to bottom out. And I'm talking about the Charlotte Hornets and the San Antonio Spurs, maybe the Detroit Pistons on the fringe of this, because they're a little bit different just because I do kind of believe them that they may have long-term plans for Bojan, but more of the Spurs and Charlotte, could they also potentially be somewhat trade tipping point teams if they decide to offload guys that they should offload in like their expiring contracts like Ubre, Plumley, et cetera, et cetera. And then for the Spurs, Josh Richardson. Uh yeah, could those those two, Charlotte and Spurs, also be um sort of noisier teams this trade deadline? I would think Charlotte will probably be active, the most active out of that group. Uh Detroit they're just weird. I don't. Who, I just don't know what they're gonna do. Like they were gonna trade Jeremy Grant last off se- last season and didn't. And then I think they, it seems like they got a lot less than what I they probably could have gotten in the trade deadline. And also maybe they want to start to be good next year. And if so, Bojan would really help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you got you mentioned San Antonio. I don't think they're in such a rush. Like, even if they don't trade Pirtle, I think you, they can bring him back. They'll pay him more. And that's I think that's still an asset down the line. Uh, Josh Richardson, you know, not going to get more than, like, probably a couple seconds for him. Uh, so, Charlotte, the other thing is with them, they, um, they you know, they could be a, a – if they do – depending on what they do, they could be a major cap space next season, obviously – there's the Miles Bridges factoring scenario uh, situation factoring in if they want to bring back PJ Washington and uh, Jalen McDaniels. But if they were to clear off like Terry Rozier, for example, now they can really be in the mix mm-hmm. to, to be cooking this off season. So, uh, you know, you got Plumlee. I think that's a guy that a lot of teams would probably, uh, you know, pay some good seconds for same same thing with a uh, Ubre, uh, expiring guys that probably won't be back next year. Uh, but Rosier is a very interesting name, mm-hmm. just because um, I I didn't like the contract when it was when he's when uh, he got extended, but then the point the combo scoring guard market just completely blew up last off season. So now, not too it's not not near not nearly as bad as when it was signed. But also just the guy, you know, if you can, if they can get some solid value for him, might as well, because he's probably not going to be a part of the next great Hornets team. Yeah. So Charlotte is definitely a team that I'm looking at for the Lakers in a potential Russell Westbrook trade. And again, we'll get to the specifics later. I don't know if any team at this point is going to touch Gordon Hayward's contract with a 10 foot pole because he's literally dead salary at this point. And you can maybe count on 25 games of healthy Gordon Hayward a season at this point. Um, do you have any thoughts on the Orlando Magic and a pulse on what they might do? They had they just have so many guys who could potentially help other teams on the, on their fringes, and I'm not sure what they're going to do with them. I know Ter- Terrence Ross is probably going to be a buyout candidate. Maybe Gary Harris. Like, what are they going to do with Chuma, who they're not even playing? Will they? Could someone get Chuma Okiki for like two seconds potentially? I think. Very good chance they just don't really do anything. Mm-hmm. And and I think a part of it is, personally, I think that they could be, they could have a nice second half run in them and make the playoff yeah. tournament. If you just look at the East, if Toronto actually makes some trades, you know, you've got the top nine through like Atlanta, Chicago in the bottom. And then you got the tenth, which is basically between them and Washington then in that scenario. And I think I want to, I think I kind of like the magic more, uh, to be honest, especially yeah. now that they're fully healthy. Uh, they got Isaac back. Uh, all their, like, they're finally healthy. And I, they beat the Sixers over the weekend. They beat the Celtics like three times this year yeah. already. Like, it's, they're, they've had some pretty qual- high quality wins, like you pointed out. And, and I, I just don't think they're going to get, like premium value for some of their mm. expendable guys. Like I don't think anyone's given up a first for Bamba. I don't think anyone's given up a first for Gary Harris. Uh, Jonathan Isaac just needs to like he needs to stay on the floor a lot longer. So they already. I, I think they have a very feisty team in them. And now that it's they're like really coming together, I unless they're getting like. 
unless they're really getting some premium picks or maybe getting uh, a player of a position they need more uh, that has just as much upside. Like, let's say they can turn Bamba into, like, the wing equivalent of Bamba. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't know. I don't know who that might be. Maybe Ubre. Well, I mean, like, someone, like, as young as him. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, uh, like, you know, just, like, still on a rookie deal or just coming off a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, I guess, Rui, kind mm-hmm. of. In that kind of uh, feel, like, just... So, other than that, I, I think most... I don't see... I think just there's a very good chance that they could still make the play-in, and that would be really huge for them heading into next year. Uh, they could afford to play a little harder because you know, I, I still think Chicago makes a play-in, but you're, they'll still have two very good picks. So I think they're just their crews. I think there's a good chance they'll just uh, stick with what they've got. Yeah, I agree with you. They're They're making their run right now, and everybody's getting healthy, like you said. One other team to look out for would maybe be the Utah Jazz, but I think they're intent to be competitive this year. Are you getting that same sense right now? Or I guess they can kind of hedge the middle, right? They can still be competitive, but also offload some veterans that are kind of superfluous and that they don't have future plans for. I don't really think that organizationally they like they care too much about how they finish the year. Um, if uh, like if they make the plan, I think that's great, but Ultimately, I think they're just going to do whatever is best for the future. I don't think they expect it to be this good at all. And here they are. And I think they're just waiting to get uh, the right deals for their guys, uh, whether it's more first round picks, if they can turn some of their guys that are, you know, probably playing a little over their heads, a couple of them, and maybe using the buy low on a pretty good player like John Collins that they've been linked to. I, I think they're just going to do whatever is best, regardless of if it makes them better this year uh, or worse. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I actually think they could be an interesting OG Ananubi trade candidate, a, a team that could trade for OG, but we'll see. Um, let's take it to break. And when we return, let's get into more Lakers-centric trade talk. So we will catch you guys after the turn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. We know you guys are lit about the new Rui Hachimura acquisition. We are too. Please join us in our litness by thumb tapping away on your Apple podcast app or your Spotify app. Find the Lakers Legacy podcast. Give us five stars on either of those apps. Spotify is probably the easiest app that you can do this with. All you have to do is look us up on Spotify. Check out that five-star dial at the top of our Lakers Legacy podcast page and hit the five-star button. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, with that said, ikimasho. Let's get on with the rest of the show. All right, Yazi, we are back. Before we get into the Lakers talk, do you have any wild, I guess they don't have to be wild, but do you have any big trade predictions of any specific players that you believe could be on the move this trade deadline, whether it's a smaller name or a big name, one that you're kind of like, okay, they have to do something with this guy so I could see him definitely being moved. Which player would that be? Like, are these gun to my head, like um, the final answer predictions or just someone I'm keeping an eye on that's kind of a hot take, but I'm probably won't get moved? It can be... It can be, this is the one that, that makes you an internet celebrity, Yazi, where when I post it on the internet, I'm like, Yazi had it first, here's his bold prediction, and then it actually happens. So not real, not necessarily gun to your head, but like, this is one under the radar, hot takey thing that you could realistically see happen. And once it pops, everybody's going to remember Yazi Goslin's name, if they don't already. <laughs> well, so there's like a couple 
but uh, I've been thinking of ways to merge it into one big trade. Mm-hmm. But I, I wrote about the Suns last week and how, uh, okay, they just, you know, earlier when they got sold, the reporting from Windhorse was that they're gonna, you know, they can't totally spend too much because uh, Sarver still has a say, depending how much money is being sent out or sent in. And then Woj uh, tweeted that they uh, plan on that now he's actually going to take control like a day before the trade deadline, which kind of makes him de facto owner now. Um, obviously, we you know we don't know that 100 percent, but kind of an indication that uh, maybe the Sarver control isn't going to be uh, necessarily as strong. Uh, like he's not going to be as big as a decision maker as uh, thought during this transition process. So I was writing about the Suns about how, like, look, they uh, even they they've been sliding because Booker's been out, but they've got some. They have all their picks. They've got a lot of movable salaries, expiring contracts. They could do something if they want. Like they were in the mix for KD when KD asked for a trade last off season. Uh, you know, they just to show you what they've got working. They could do something big. So. Uh, you know, there's uh, Fred Van Vliet. Was, they're interested in Fred Van Vliet, and then they're interested in OG and Anobi. Uh, so I wrote about, like, well, why not? What if they can get both? Uh, that's something I would love to see. I think that I feel like not that probably not only just puts them as a favorite to come out the West, they can do that. I feel like having Bridges and OG is just so unfair to opposing offenses like you you now have two guys who can guard who can like add a, like just stay on the best players the best scoring guards the best uh wing scorers so i feel like that could really like swing him a title with that and i'm guessing that would involve deandre Ayton going one way og and van vliet going out to the sun no no right? not necessarily they don't uh it could be well, Cam Johnson. There's a lot of different ways. Like you can yeah. do their expiring contracts. Yeah, Aiden. I do think like if they were to do something like this, then they will move Aiden in the future because you gotta eventually pay Van Vliet and OG more. And then at that point, like why why do you need Aiden? Uh, you can just get like a, a much lower usage center for cheaper when you have all those like you have such a stacked one through four. So like that's what I would think like a, an Aiden trade would follow. It could happen during the trade, but I I think more likely would be like a bunch of expiring contracts. But if you're bringing in Van Vliet, then you know you can still keep Chris Paul. But Chris Paul's going to the Lakers, right? This is the three team trade where the Lakers are involved all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. So I, this is something I pit, I've been I, I've thought about it like a month ago. I'm like, what if what if like the Suns can Get Fred seems to be like a guy that they want for the future post Chris Paul. And, but like, you might as well trade Chris Paul now. Uh, send him to the Lakers. Uh, mm-hmm. For the Lakers, you know, probably don't have to pay too big a price to get him. And at the same time, it helps subsidize whatever Phoenix has to pay to get uh, Fred and OG in case their picks aren't enough. Uh, you know, maybe Cam Johnson gets included. Uh, and then, uh, Toronto gets Westbrook a bunch of picks, uh, save a bunch of future money because Lakers maybe, and then Lakers could probably get a couple more guys because they can't just take back uh, Chris Paul. Right. You know, the prop maybe they can take back like Trent as well. Um, I like it. Uh, you know, I I think that's something. Yeah, it's definitely. That's a hot. That's a spicy one. I. <laughs> not likely by any yeah. means, but uh, I. I still think it make it just, but it still makes a so much sense in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's something that might, you know, every I think all every fan, not maybe not the Raptors, they don't want to see their best players go, but it can be <laughs> like make everyone happy. Yeah, no, that I that one's very interesting. You heard it here first, Yazi Goslin, CP three to the Lakers finally for real, and then Fred Van Vliet 
uh, OG Ananubi to the Suns, Raptors get the picks and a Russell Westbrook buyout. No, it's funny because Eric Pincus wrote something similar in a recent article of his involving CP3 to the Lakers. I mean, it's just sometimes it's just so obvious the things that you can concoct for this organization because you know the, the route that they're going to take. And CP3 is definitely one of those routes. I can see Genie Bus wanting to close the loop on the poetry of everything. I wouldn't, whatever. As long as Westbrook's off my team, I, I guess I can stomach anything, but it's just. It's just so Lakers to me to take on another thirty million dollar contract and Chris Paul, who's on the tail end of his career. But regardless, just, yeah, just just a couple of complicating factors. Like, okay, do the Suns want to help the Lakers out with that? Because they really like. I, I don't. Chris Paul's definitely been concerning this season, and like especially in the playoffs last year when he was start out so hot and then just it just com- just completely uh, fell off. I I think there's definitely a lot of concerns for the Suns to go into the playoffs with him. But if you're the Lakers, like that's still better than what having Chris, an inconsistent Chris Paul still a lot better than what they've got right oh, now. Yeah. So if you're the Suns, like, do you still, do you want to help your division rival like that? that you know, that could be something, a, a factor. And then like the whole uh, price factor, like, okay, Lakers bring in, you know, Chris Paul and probably another guy, how much do they need to give up? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I don't, I don't think he's, that's tricky because you know Chris Paul's thirty-eight, about to be thirty-eight. What do you? Yeah, it's tricky. What do you give up? How much? How much is? How much is too much? I think if the Lakers can get Trent, they'll be willing to give up that unprotected first, and then I'm guessing the Raptors would also want some compensation from the Suns and outside of expiring, probably Cam Johnson, right? Um, I, I was maybe. thinking something like maybe Lakers send out one first, maybe slightly protected, uh, maybe like solidly protected. And then Reeves, yeah. As a, and then like for so the Raptors for them, it's like okay, you you do like you repeat the Norman Powell trade by getting someone who's supposed to be cheaper in Trent. Now they turn Trent, who's going to be who's pretty expensive, into Reeves, who won't be as expensive. And then uh, they they still get a, a pick. Uh, some I, I don't know, just yeah, it could be something like that. They might not might not want to pay Reeves if they already have Trent. You know, those things could come into play with. Anyways, let's move yeah. on. Yeah, let's let's not go too deep into this pie-in-the-sky trade. Let's move on to some of the more realistic options. Although one thing that I did want to bring up to you is I feel like if the Lakers get close to a substantial move, I feel like Austin Reeves and Max Christie may end up being swing pieces in whatever deal gets done. Because, again, if the Lakers are hell-bent on not giving up both of their firsts or hell-bent on protecting one of their firsts, one way they can sort of alleviate having to give all those assets up is, you know, surrendering the rights to Austin Reeves or Max Christie, who's shown himself to be a very competent 3 and D player as a rookie, something that I didn't expect. And at least he's under contract on his rookie scale for next year as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if they become the tipping point sweeteners to any deal that ine- inevitably gets made. And I think like putting myself in Genie Bus's shoes, that player will probably be Austin Reeves because the Lakers, like you mentioned, probably will want to avoid paying him his like eight to ten million dollar contract next year, especially if they're bringing in uh, guaranteed salary. So look out for Austin Reeves and Max Christie, and don't get too attached to them. Uh, with that said. Looking at the Lakers roster right now, they finally upgraded on size, got rid of one guard out of their seven to eight guard glut. In your eyes, what are the Lakers' biggest needs in terms of skill set and maybe even position? Obviously, everybody would love a 3 and D wing, but in general, looking at the team's makeup right now, what's what's a skill set or skill sets that you feel like this team is desperately lacking? Uh, I, I think they could still do a lot better at guard. Um, they're still one of the poor three-point shooting teams, and... So yeah, that was where that's where like some of the you can get like a better two guard or a better wing that might be able to uh, hit some threes as well. But so shooting, yeah, the, no, no. So but two, I think I do think guard play could be a little better. You know, I know Westbrook's been pretty good, but it also his feels like it's been a while since he had moments like in the beginning of the season where he's in the end of the game and just killed them, and now it's kind of half hams trusting him a little too much again it seems like uh letting him letting him cook um so you know and i i think schroeder's been pretty impressive 
for a minimum salary, but not a guy I would want uh, on a starting or a closing lineup of a of a playoff team. And then Beverly, yeah, he's been he's been a little better, but I I think also they could definitely they, they that's why we're that's why I really want them to get like a better lead guard if possible. If they can get Van Vliet or Chris Paul, that'd be great. Uh, and then yeah, a better wing, a better shooter. Like if they could get Trent, that'd help them a lot. That's where I would start, really. Yeah, I think for me, I have shooting and a professional shooter highlighted at the top while also wanting to swap out Russell Westbrook for a more reliable and consistent guard that can hold up in the playoffs. So kind of like what you said, whether that's Rogier, a Conley, you know, the higher ends are obviously CP3, Fred Van Vliet, but there are other guards out there who can sort of mitigate the loss of the playmaking that Westbrook gives you, but hopefully give you more stable play, stable and less erratic play. (laughs) And obviously better spacing because there's very few guards of Westbrook's ilk at this point who dramatically changes the way defenses play you. It's maybe like, I don't know, McConnell, but McConnell still only plays like 25, 28 minutes on his best nights. Um, So yeah, for me, I have highlighted professional shooter would also like guard help if Westbrook is going out, and obviously if a wing is available, definitely get a wing. But for me, gun to my head, give me better shooting and spacing around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, So I think one thing that the Lakers will try to do, because they've already got the ball rolling with this Rui Hachimura thing, if they're looking for shooters, I think they will try to. I don't know if they'll be successful in doing so, but to me it makes sense for them to go after guys with team options, right? Because they can have that out of, yeah, we get to retain them for next year, or if something big comes along, like a Kyrie Irving, we can also just let them go. So guys like this would include like Malik Beasley, team option for next year, right? Alec Burks, team option for next year. Um, maybe even Mike Conley. I think he's non-guaranteed up until like draft night or whatever, right? So they keep their options open while helping themselves out this year and opening the door to retaining these guys as well. Now, with uh, regard... If, yeah. if they can get any of those guys, I think they just keep them, pick those options up. Yeah, they Might not be able to get anyone better in the offseason. No, I, I 100% agree with you. But like I said, you always have that out because you have the team option, right? And for Rui Hachimura, you can just renounce him. So it's the best of both worlds, in my opinion. But I agree with you. If you get these guys in, just keep them and start building out the cohesion of your team now. Um, with regards to a Westbrook trade, something that we've been campaigning for since the start of this episode, there are very practical reasons to do it. But given the Lakers' specific context... And I guess we're halfway through the season now, so about more than half of his $47 million contract is paid. But from like a logistical standpoint, in your eyes, how likely is it that Russ and his $47 million contract gets moved? Because I feel like from the, maybe not the paying aspect of things, because again, like more than half of his contract is paid and he's expiring, but from the finding like a team or multiple teams to do all the salary matching that it may, it seems a lot more complicated because of how big his contract is so given that context do you feel like how likely is it in your eyes that a rust deal actually gets made pretty low uh, i would i want to say like 35% chance okay and it just because you know first of all who's actually available at the lakers would uh really want and be willing to pay uh, an asset for a very low combination of those players, unless maybe like they can, again, I always fall back to Chris Paul, Fred Van Vliet, but I think, uh, uh, or Fred Van Vliet plus Gary Trent, but that's kind of where I'm starting to think, okay, that's, those are the only avenues right now I could, I could realistically see. Uh, and then you got the other uh, factor that maybe the Lakers still want to do cap space. And uh, just how much are they willing to spend next year? Because I'm still pretty concerned that they don't want to pay the tax at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And doing the cap space route can allow them to get a star or pseudo star and really sell the fan base. And then, you you know you really have yet you but you still have all these minimum guys 
uh, filling up the roster and you, okay, you, you, and you just stay under the, you barely stay under the tax uh, to avoid the repeater tax. There's a lot of these factors coming in. We're not sure exactly where the Lakers stand on them. So yeah, I, as great. Uh, and, and then, you know, maybe the Lakers still want to bring back Russ, which, okay. Like if you want to bring back Westbrook, I think, you can still trade him and most likely can get him back. Like I don't think and there's going to be such a like high demand for him uh, in the offseason. Like you want to give him your MLE? All right, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw out some hypotheticals to you outside of Fred Van Vliet. Well, first, for Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent, what assets do you think the Lakers will have to sacrifice? Are we looking at two unprotected first or are we looking at one protected first, one unprotected, and maybe the Lakers ask for. Well, I don't even know if they can get Boucher back because those contracts are already pretty big. But oh uh, no, no. So they would probably have to get Boucher back because, okay. or the Raptors will be in the tax after. Gotcha. Okay. So I've thought about if it's like a two-team trade, Lakers Raptors, where the Lakers get back Trent and Bamley. They'll probably need to get back Boucher or maybe that and something else to help the Raptors uh, not go over the tax. Mm-hmm. And that's a great trade for the Lakers. Uh, three for one, you're getting, uh, you know, all, Van Vliet was an all-star last year. Uh, Trent, just a really good player. And then you get Boucher, who, you know, he's shown some things. Uh, recently, not like many of uh, bench players on the Raptors, not getting consistent minutes from Nick Nurse. But like on this Lakers team, he would probably play every night. So, yeah, that, that how much what they'd have to give up? It's tough because I think you got to keep in mind that the, the the trade market for all star players is pretty messed up right now, thanks mm-hmm. to Danny Ainge. Mm-hmm. And Masai, he's a he's a he's a very he's one of the best GMs, and I don't see him. Uh, I, I see him. I don't see him giving any uh, discounts to his guys, even though these two could be potential free agents. Like I could see a scenario where the Lakers do end up giving up both first for these two guys. Even yeah, they can sign one of them, but here they can get back two of them, re-sign them, and now you're over the cap. You can bring back all your other free agents and have a bigger MLE. So now you're. It's like okay, do we want to pay? Is that what we're paying for? Like have like an extra fee? We're paying extra to get an extra free agent guy and plus keep whatever we've got. Uh I feel like they'd have to give up both first. Yeah. I mean, I think I and a lot of Lakers fans would give up both both firsts. And I think in this scenario, just because you almost know that you're taking in $50 million, actually, you're taking in $60 million with Chris Boucher, right? Because he's on under contract next year. And then you're probably re-signing Van Vliet to like a $27, $28 million new contract. And then Gary Trent to like a 2022, right? So it's almost like the Lakers know that their luxury tax bill is going to be way high next year. I think because of that, I think they're giving up the two first Yazzie. And then I think they're intentionally including Austin Reeves into that deal because I don't think they want to add on another eight to $10 million and then repeater tax offender prohibitive costs on top of that to the point where what Austin Reeves, even though they're going to resign him to like an $8 million contract because of the repeater tax stipulations, that contract ends up becoming what? Like times three? Yeah, but if you're going to pay, like he's the type of player you need, you got to pay up for that. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about the Lakers here, Yazi. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, just look out for that. I would give up the two first, but also don't be surprised if Austin Reeves is thrown into that deal and the Lakers make it look like, you know, he was needed to push that trade through. But I also think it benefits them because they don't have to pay for his yeah. new contract. I, I think like get a very good chance Raptors would want him. It just makes sense mm-hmm. uh, that they, they want like <laughs> they just really want like a, a that two guard that they can really have uh, under cost control. Yeah, for sure. All right. With that said, do you have any. So we talked about the Raptors thing. Do you have any other potential Let's say it's Russell Westbrook and one first that the Lakers are willing to give up. Do you have a trade in mind that would benefit the Lakers and with with them only giving up one first essentially? Uh I don't know what that what that is because most of those packages are like for guys like Boyan Bogdanovich at the at the mm-hmm. very best. 
And I don't think it makes that just makes the Lakers kind of better, but they're not in a position where they can give up a first like that. It's got to be someone a lot better. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Like I, any Westbrook plus one first trade, unless they're very lucky, most likely is a half measure. Gotcha. But but I think you would agree though. It's a half measure for this year. But if they are doing it to already build out their team for next year. Could it be worth it at that point? And also to gain back salary ballast to use their other first and, you know, the 2023 first that they'll have available on draft night. Could could that make more sense? So in your eyes, you wouldn't even trade an unprotected first for a Bojan package. No. Okay. Well, I know I know where you stand. You really You really value the future unprotected draft picks. I think I would just because Bojan's under contract for next year, even though he's old, you would probably get what? If it's Russ going out, you, you'll probably get Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks, right, coming back, who are both on team options. For me, that's a little bit worth it. I understand why other people would be queasy, but it gives you the chance to compete for this year where the West is wide open, and then next year you already have your built-in shooter along with Rui, and then you can you know make some other fringe trades with Noel and Burks contracts to further improve your team. But what if the Lakers were able to get Gary Trent, Boucher, Thad Young for Russ and a first. I know there's complications with you pretty much just paying an unprotected first for the rights to re-sign Gary Trent to like $24 million, but I feel like, one, he's a clutch client, and two, he's a younger player than Boucher, or sorry, younger player than Bojan, who the Lakers can really sort of grow with. So it's more of a future move. I still wouldn't do it. Okay. Like I said, I would rather just try to get some assets back with the with like some worse contracts and just build up that asset pool that's what i would do okay so do you scenario so are there any trades that you have you kind of in like hinted at it at the start of the show where the where the lakers do trade russ don't give up any first maybe at most they get seconds they, they give up seconds for longer term salary of players that can sort of help them now but also players under contract that they can later move and before you go I, I had one in mind that I don't know if the Lakers would actually do this but would they think of even trading with the Heat for Lowry and Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson might have the worst contract in the league right now. It, like it's extends for like three or four years, but technically it's a shooter and a and a point guard. But something along those lines, right? Yeah, no. If they can do that and get like a first, I I think they should consider it. Um, if uh, maybe they can get back like another piece, like one of those uh, minimum guys, they just like find out of nowhere attached uh that one's probably in the higher end i don't think that he would do that though uh i'm thinking i I already give you a couple examples like if they do something with charlotte maybe take back hayward and rosier uh maybe they do something with dallas take back Bertans, tim hardaway um try to get some assets back as well um there's another one i wrote oh new york is another one where they take back Fournier and then just like Reddish and Rose, maybe get a couple of those fake firsts that New York has back. Either way, I just like in all those scenarios, you have you have some salary going into next year to to do something later. Yeah. For the Charlotte deal, let's say we take Hayward out of it. Do you think the Lakers could get away with getting Rogier, Plumley, and Ubre? for a protected first like let's say it's lotto protected would you be okay with doing that for that package if it's russ a protected lotto protected first for rogier expiring Plumley, expiring Ubre. i mean the value is uh it's fine but then the issue is uh that just you're, you're still giving up the asset uh even if the pick never conveys you still are hamstrung you can't really do anything else I'd rather hold on to the pick for just see what what other, what other opportunities come this off season. Lakers mm-hmm. will also be able to trade their uh, own pick once the first round of the draft ends, so they can add another pick for whatever might happen. I would just wait to see what opportunities happen. Like most likely, there will be better opportunities on draft night than this trade deadline. Yeah, I think you're right. I I, I for me as a Lakers fan, I would just like to see them 
reward LeBron James and Anthony Davis this season for fighting through all these injuries and just giving them, you know, even if it's for optics alone, I'm okay giving up a first, well, one, I'm okay giving up a first just to offload Russell Westbrook. I'm so done with a Russell Westbrook experience. It's crazy that, like, I have you on, we're still talking about the same stuff, like, a year later, you know? Russell Westbrook, what do we do with him, you know? Which is why I advocated highly for them trying to get this sorted out in the offseason. I know it's easier said than done, but now it's even harder because you're kind of scrambling to try and trade $47 million. And um, But with that said... Let's look at just some, like, fringe-type stuff. Let's say the Lakers want to go to war with just second-rounders. They don't want to trade Russ because they like this little weird six-man-of-the-year story that they have going on, which he's unlikely to win. But let's say they want to keep Russ, and they want to go to war with additional seconds. I think they only have four left to trade since they traded three in the Rui deal. Yeah, and that's going to put me in, like, a similar... Uh, framework of mine when I would be like, "Ah, I probably wouldn't give up too many more seconds for anything at this point. Okay, well, let's say, let's put you in the frame of mind where the Lakers are trying to make a a run and they do want to get back actual talent that at least shows LeBron James that you're trying further because Rui's not going to cut it, right? It's a good first step, but they need another second optics move. So what what is a type of trade where they could trade like two seconds for a veteran expiring guy who could help them make a run this year. And, you know, maybe they have the option of keeping him around uh, with his bird rights this summer. So two years ago, there was a trade that the Celtics did where they traded two seconds for an expiring Evan Fournier from Orlando. And Evan Fournier kind of helped them in their playoff run. They ended up letting him walk. But that's the sort of deal I'm kind of looking at. So do you have any you know, veterans in mind who could maybe go for two seconds. Like for me, I have Alec Burks, Josh Richardson, Gary Harris, Eric Gordon. Could you see those guys going for seconds that would help the Lakers? So, yeah, uh, Gary Harris, no. I Like I talked about with the Magic, I think they're just going to, you know, they're going to hold tight. But yeah, everyone else you mentioned, maybe the Spurs with Doug McDermott as well maybe Memphis with Danny Green, but it seems like they really are excited to have him be on the team. Um, There's someone else I'm thinking of. I just slipped my mind. I mean, you mentioned Josh Richardson. You know, Kelly Oubre, I think we talked about. I think that's another guy. I think Lakers could really use him. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's the same. Uh, Eric Gordon, yeah, I suppose. Because I don't think Houston's getting their first rounder they've been trying to get for like three years now. But like the Bucks are offering like a bunch, like three or four first, uh, second round picks to try to get like Crowder or Eric Gordon. Um, yeah, maybe the Lakers can get that done, can do that as well if they're willing to trade all their seconds left. What do you think about Alec Burks? Do you think the Pistons will try and hold out for a first? I don't think they're going to get a first for Alec Burks, but um, is that a guy who could potentially go for two seconds? Just with Detroit, just what are they going to do? Uh, are they looking to, are, do they want to sell their guys for more assets or do they actually want to try to be good? And mm-hmm. Burks has that team option, which I would imagine they're going to pick up. He's considering how good he's been playing and they'll still have a lot of cap space. So uh, just for that particular situation, I don't see them settling on him because yeah. they could just bring him back. It's no problem. So here are some lower end guys, and this is almost lower end to the point where I could potentially see them as buyout candidates. But what are your thoughts on trading a second for like Will Barton or Chetty Osman, Terrence Ross? I I feel like because the Lakers will actually have to put in a a useful guy that they're actually playing like a Lonnie Walker or a Pat Bev into this deal, it makes it unlikely. But those guys could probably go for seconds, right? Well, uh, okay, Osman, sure. But you mentioned Ross and who Will Barnett. Those guys yeah. are those guys are gonna be like they might be they might be bought out. Yeah, okay. uh, I would not trade uh, Beverly for either of those guys. Yeah, they're definitely on my buyout candidate list. Um, Ross, that seems like I feel like that's he's a future Laker. <laughs> for sure, definitely via the buyout when that happens. So closing in on the end here, like give me your final Lakers prediction. If you have one in terms of what they're going to do, I continue to hold out hope that they do the smart thing and trade Russell Westbrook for several contracts, or they're willing to actually 
relinquish one of their first or even two of their first for the right package. But I'm also just resigned to the fact that they'll probably just make another smaller Rui Hachimura type deal for a more established player. And this time, my prediction is they have to come away from this trade deadline with a professional shooter. Because it seems like if they're going to trade Russell Westbrook, then fine. They've got the quote-unquote guard play set. Now they just need the actual shooting to even alleviate the fact that Russell Westbrook kills your spacing. So for me, my prediction is they're going to come away with one of Eric Gordon, Malik Beasley, Alec Burks, maybe Gary Harris, if the Magic see that, yeah, they have too many guards, or even if they're trying to win, I feel like there's a lot of superfluous parts in the Orlando Magic's roster that they may be willing to give up Gary Harris for some assets, but I think the Lakers are going to come away with at least one legitimate shooter. But for you, where do you, do you have a prediction for the Lakers this trade deadline? You know, I think that's actually the most like realistic scenario just pitched. Uh, yeah, they're probably just going to try to turn Beverly and one minimum guy into a shooter. Like mm-hmm. you just put out, probably won't cost much to get that trade done. Yeah. I, you know the the long the long-standing Westbrook nightmare. Like we think that it's finally going to end, and I just think it's going to keep going. Through. I think they're going to fulfill that <laughs> the rest of that contract and probably even bring him back. Even, you know, obviously, like if you can bring him back on the MLE, yeah, that's you know ten million a year. Okay, definitely changes the uh, the perception. But yeah, no, I yeah, I don't. I guess. Uh, I would agree with you. I could see them getting like uh, turning Beverly into one of those type guards. That's that's very uh, realistic. Yeah. But again, I hope we hope that the Lakers actually make use of, you know, Russell Westbrook's expiring contract, make use of Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker's expiring contract, because I, I think. This will be so hard to pull off, and this is where we start getting into like fantasy basketball type talk. But Yazi, there is a scenario where if the Lakers decide to trade Russell Westbrook and they take back some multi-year contracts, they can then make a second deal with Lonnie Walker and Pat Bev's expiring contracts and then gain back more depth, right? And especially if they're willing to trade one or both of those first. I highly doubt they'll trade both first in this trade deadline, but let's say they do the Westbrook for multi-year contracts they get like dorian finney smith or something and davis bertans from the mavericks right and then they flip pat bev and lonnie walker and one first maybe it's protected to the raptors for gary trent could i mean that's something that could happen it's unlikely to happen but there are creative ways to get this done if the other teams are willing to do so it makes practical sense right the lakers would take back longer term salary for westbrook and then they could then use pat bev and lonnie walker plus a first for, like, Gary Trent and Chris Boucher. And then in total, all of a sudden, the Lakers have Dorian Finney-Smith, Davis Bertans, maybe Tim Hardaway Jr., Gary Trent, and Chris Boucher. This is where, again, this is where we get into fantasy basketball. But if those deals were possible, would you try and, like, do something like that where it's like you give the Lakers the best chance to make their run this season, but also you have the pieces set for next year as well? Yeah, the big, and, and like I said, the biggest downside to that for Lakers just there's going to be spending a lot more money to make yep. something like that happen which they have to like yeah. they're not they're not going anywhere staying under the tax next year in my opinion yeah but you know with the Lakers it always circles back to who they deem worth it to spend all that money right and I think that's why we probably will end up looping back to the Chris Pauls of the world because for Chris Paul the Lakers I think will be willing to pay that deep into the luxury tax and pay the re- tax repeat offense, you know? Yeah. Casualty. If they can get that third all-star, yeah, then I'm sure they'll... But at the same time, I don't I don't even know if they're going to be willing to spend as much as they should. Like, right now, they're roughly $20 million over the tax. I don't... You know, and they're paying, like, a $44 million bill. I, I don't have what exactly that uh, translates to in the repeater. I mean, I'll pull that up really quickly. Uh, yeah, to be twenty million in the repeater, that's like sixty-five million. That's a lot. And yep. I don't think that's gonna cut it. I think they need to spend like a hundred million in, in mm-hmm. the, at least. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they'll they'll do that for the Chris Pauls of the world, which is unlikely. But I don't think they'll do it for the Dorian Finney-Smiths and Davis Bertans and obviously Gary Trent's of the world, even though he's a clutch client. But yeah, with that said. 
Yazi, thanks so much for joining us once again. We'll see what happens next week at the trade deadline, whether the Toronto Raptors hit that domino that makes the rest of the league sort of waterfall into action remains to be seen. But from the Lakers' end, they will probably make one optics move. It will be very surprising if they make that big, splashy Russell Westbrook move, but we're here for the fireworks if they happen. So, Yazi, do you have anything to plug before we let you go? Uh, just follow me on Twitter, at Yossi Goslin, and uh, just, I'm, I'm putting in, I'm pumping out a lot of content on Hoops Hype right now, all sorts of trade deadline content. Just check it out. Cool. Yeah, definitely follow Yazi, especially next week when all the trade deadline fireworks get underway. And yeah, we will catch you guys next time. Thank you guys for listening to the Lakers Legacy podcast. And Yazi, we will catch you next time, probably during free agency. Maybe we'll do a post-trade deadline thing. But uh, yeah, thanks for hopping on, man. Of course, anytime. Cool. See ya. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.